Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at DynastyFreaks.com or email DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long story. But I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 65. We're going to look back at week number seven. What a crazy week number seven was. It was a very unpredictable week. So I'm going to give some overall impressions after watching all of the games along with some comments um, just around the Dynasty world as well as just the NFL transactions that took place and give you some of my thoughts on how it's affected our Dynasty landscape. Like I said before, it was a very, very unpredictable week last week. I definitely know for myself that I won some games that I had no business winning, and I lost some games that I had no business losing, like no reason to lose. It was super unpredictable. Here's a couple reasons why, and these first four of my five observations really have to do with the unpredictability of last week. Fifth one is just kind of a standalone observation from week number seven. So let's jump in. Week uh, number... Uh, seven observations. First is that the first quarter injuries drastically uh, impacted our fantasy teams, right? There were several injuries that happened in the first quarter. David Johnson played just a few plays and was never heard from again. Um, Even the reports before the game indicated that he would play, instead it's Chase Edmonds who was the one that was busting through the holes and piling up uh, 150 yards of and three touchdowns. In most cases, uh, this put Johnson and Edmonds owners both on tilt, right? So one, for starting Johnson, everyone was upset. The other, for not starting Edmonds, everyone was upset. Uh, just a false report, not knowing what was really going to happen, really put people on tilt this week. You've also got Adam Thielen. At least he scored a touchdown on the play where he was injured in the first quarter and, and was lost for the rest of the game. Uh, he would have had a great game based on how well his backup played because Ola B.C. Johnson came in, had eight targets, four receptions, and then a touchdown of his own. And so Thielen also hurt us just because he at least scored a touchdown, but he went down in the first quarter. Two other guys went down in the first quarter. The guys that are often injured, injured, uh, on Johnson and Will Fuller, finally lived up to their injury-prone label here in week number seven and scored a total of four points between the two of them before leaving the game. So these injuries, along with many other factors, really made this a wacky week of scoring. Second observation was that the weather made a big difference this week. San Francisco played in one of the sloppiest games that I've ever seen in Washington this week. It was supposed to be Shanahan's revenge game, right? So Shanahan's revenge narrative against Washington never really got off the ground because neither team could run or pass in the pouring rain, and it led to just a 9 to nothing, so three field goals for the 49ers, um, and a lot, a win for the 49ers and a lot of losses to our fantasy teams if we were holding players in those games, like certainly I did, starting Dante Pettis for the first time and, of course, starting Brita and Coleman like I usually do in many of my leagues, and nothing panned out. Uh, the Giants also hosted the Cardinals in the rain, which led to a couple of drop passes and a drop touchdown pass from Evan Ingram in an awful game for all the fantasy-relevant players on the Giants. Whereas Arizona players were equally pathetic, uh, minus the previously mentioned breakout performance by Chase Edmonds, uh, Kyler Murray had just 30, had 38 fantasy points a week before. This week, he had a measly seven points in this rainstorm. So needless to say, his receivers suffered too. So this rain-filled game 
or these two rain-filled games made for a pretty wacky week for all the players on those two, four teams. Third thing I observed was that surprise players exploded on our benches, which made this a frustrating week. Some of the highest-scoring players were a lot of the teams were on a lot of teams' benches. Jacoby Brissett, for instance, he unloaded with the Texans with four touchdown passes and 39 fantasy points. Uh, he was only started in probably the deepest of leagues, uh, or maybe like the most injured of teams. Maybe he started, uh, but all week. And then there's addition to that, all week fantasy analysts kept telling us about how many quarterbacks that were worth starting over Aaron Rodgers this week, since Green Bay's offense was not producing like it usually did. Rodgers, uh, n- known to listen to the media and then say that he doesn't listen to media, must have been listening because he went nuts and he threw for five touchdown passes and ran for another in a 56 point fantasy explosion. I know in one league uh, that I actually, the only league where I have Rodgers, I benched him this week for Jimmy Garoppolo in one of my leagues. And I was so infuriated when I started watching the games at noon and saw the rain pouring down in Washington and Garoppolo's ineffectiveness and Rodgers throwing touchdowns every single pass that suddenly seemed like. But thankfully, unbeknownst to me, my co-owner switched Rodgers into the lineup just before kickoff. So props to co-owners out there everywhere. <laughs> have a co-owner. Someone can correct your mistake. So we ended up winning our game in a shootout in that league. But that was crazy. Third guy, uh, hardly anyone started Marvin Jones this week. You're right. Marvin Jones wasn't in the starting lineups of many, many teams. But he rips the Vikings secondary, scoring four touchdowns of his own. So, man, if you were playing against any of these players, you likely had that percentage of winning icon thing that you have, you know, as you're watching the games. That was tilting in your favor heavily before the game. But by halftime of these games... It was tilting the other way, right? Your percentage chance of winning dropped significantly. And the fourth thing that I'll say is that surprise players we wished were on, a, were on our benches. Uh, there were players that everyone started, many of which laid an egg on this Sunday. Uh, many dependable players who'd been consistently contributing to our teams were duds this Sunday. Matt Ryan uh, scores three points in fantasy. Philip Lindsay, four points. Evan Ingram, one point. Marlon Mack, seven points. Kenny Galladay, three points. Mark Andrews, five points. So the combination of these surprise player, the surprise players exploding that I mentioned, and then these stud players coming up lame or injured, really set owners on tilt in this very unpredictable week number seven. A fifth thing that I observed that doesn't really relate to the scoring, but I noticed that some historically reliably reliable players are starting to be surpassed. There's two guys in, in which I actually have a, a ton of ownership in my leagues. Uh, one is Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's one of my most, most owned players, largely because I look at him as just like a solid floor player because he's had 1,000 yards receiving every year of his career, even while playing for three different teams. It's just so dependable. Well, he's barely on pace to get to 1,000 yards this year. And I just think that the increased volume of passes to Cooper Cup and to Gerald Everett really make me believe that he's not going to do it this year. I think he's being surpassed. Then there, I love Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is the other guy that I own in several leagues. Uh, but now I fear that he's really being passed by Dallas Goddard. Goddard has outscored Ertz in each of the last two weeks. Crazy. And Philadelphia is playing a lot of two tight end sets, and Goddard simply getting open more than Ertz is, catching a touchdown pass last week. And Ertz uh, still has the bulk of the snap counts, but not by as much as you'd think. Since week four, Goddard's been within 10% or 20% of the snap counts of Ertz. So they're running a lot of two tight end sets, and he's close to the number of snaps. But even when they're both in there, he's just the one that's getting more open. Thankfully, I love Goddard and have him uh, ranked higher than almost any analyst that I follow. But uh, I have Goddard in several leagues, 
But in leagues where I actually have him and Ertz, I'm actually going to have to decide this week which of the two am I going to start, Ertz or Goddard. I didn't think I'd be asking that question this year. I thought maybe next year would be the time to ask that question. Those are my five observations. Let's talk now just about week seven injuries and the impact that it's had. Um, it's a pretty light week as far as injuries go, so that's good. But there were a few significant ones. Of course, Patrick Mahomes was the first uh, playing on that Thursday night. <clears throat> he hurt his knee on Thursday night on a failed quarterback sneak. Early reports were a torn patella tendon, and everyone got super worried about that. Thought that he'd be lost for the year. But later, of course, news came out to be a bit more optimistic since he only dislocated his kneecap. Um, we knew that he'd be out for three to four weeks. So he's been doing some light work already in practice this week, so he shouldn't miss as much time as expected. As for the fantasy impact, I think this year Matt Moore combined with Andy Reid's play calling should keep Kansas City's offense afloat, but there's no way that you can't say that it didn't bring down the value of all the fantasy options in Kansas City with Matt Moore in there. Um, until Mahomes comes back, it definitely brings down the value. Uh, no dynasty value is lost, but in start-set decisions for these next few weeks, it's going to be more difficult. I think players like LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams and Sammy Watkins are uh, definitely going to be tougher decisions. Maybe you'd bench them. Whereas when it comes to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they're just too good to bench. you got to keep them in the lineup, even if Moore is that quarterback. Second injury is Matt Ryan. Ryan hurt his ankle during the end of the game while trying to collect garbage points like he's done all year, right? Uh, he's done that every game this year. Well, Coach Quinn uh, indicated that he could actually play on Sunday. Not sure if that's going to happen or not, but it seems to be like a real possibility. I think this is a very short-term injury. Um, if he does not play, I'd sit. I'd still start Austin Hooper and Julio Jones in the coming weeks, but uh, I'd likely sit everybody else if Ryan's not playing. Ryan's definitely carried a lot of our fantasy teams, uh, even though he can't carry the Falcons to wins. He's definitely helped our fantasy teams to win, so this could be quite a loss for our fantasy teams if he is gone for very long. I don't think he will be, though. Maybe just this week, then they have a bye week, and he'd be back. Third injury, of course, is David Johnson. I already mentioned that briefly, but Johnson's injury, uh, for me, carries with it a little bit more of a dynasty concern, in my opinion. Um, his track record of being injured is starting to concern me at this point. And add to that that Chase, Adi Chase Edmonds looked great on Sunday, and his playtime had already been increasing a bit each week, while Johnson's was decreasing a bit each week. Not drastically. It wasn't a 50-50 split, but it started to get down to about 75-25, and uh, it was starting to increase every single week for Edmonds. I th and I think that uh, Edmonds scoring the way that he looked uh, this week, it looks like he's probably going to get the start this week with Johnson out. And I think if he plays well again, Johnson's value really may have hit its peak, and Edmonds' value would be the one that's on the rise. I don't think that he'll ever surpass Johnson. I'm just saying that Johnson's dynasty value may be at its peak now that he's got this competition. It could become more of a split backfield. Johnson's still going to be a fantastic fantasy option uh, when he's healthy, but his value overall has got to be reconsidered. Next injury, which we kind of already talked about a little bit, was Carrion Johnson. Uh, this was the knock on Carrion coming out of college. He ended his sophomore year at, at Detroit on the IR, most likely. I say that he's on the temporary IR, so he might be able to come back for week 16 or 17 or the playoffs. But he ended the year, for all practical purposes, on, on the IR, just like he did last year. Uh, this time it's a different knee, which actually makes matters worse to me. I'd rather it be the same knee. Uh, as for fantasy value, I don't think that Ty Johnson has the talent to play well enough to earn a starting role over Johnson next year. But that doesn't mean that Kirion's value is not dropping. It has to drop. It's failing or falling based solely on the fact that he's injured yet again. 
And I suspect Detroit for this year, if they're thinking fantasy impact this year, is really going to become a lot more pass heavy. I like the opportunity of TJ Hawkinson and Kelly Galladay will have. I like that they're going to really have a chance to increase their dynasty value the rest of the season. And boy, don't forget Matt Stafford. He's surprisingly the sixth or the seventh highest scoring quarterback per game already. So he's a sneaky guy to try to trade for now because I think they are actually going to start to become a very pass heavy team. He's already proven it, even though most people may not have recognized it. So go try to trade for uh, Matt Stafford. Next guy to mention with the injury was Adam Thielen. Like I said, he injured his hamstring on a touchdown catch. <laughs> so uh, proved that he was not well enough to play the rest of the game as well as not play uh, last night on Thursday night. I still think this is probably a short-term injury for Thielen. Um, I don't see this having much dynasty impact. I don't really think that uh, Olabisi Johnson, he was kind of a hot waiver wire pickup this week, but I was actually not really interested in him. I'm just really convinced, obviously, as we probably all are, that Diggs and Thielen are the guys to own in Minnesota. And I don't think someone's going to really surpass them until they pick someone up in the draft that's actually kind of a higher quality um, receiver that ultimately will replace Thielen over Diggs just because Thielen's older age-wise. Next guy and last guy that I'll mention was Will Fuller. Like Kerryon Johnson, Will Fuller is living up to his injury-prone label. He's going to miss several weeks of action, uh, giving Kenny Stills and Kiki Kuti a chance to prove themselves. Stills already seems to have earned more of an active role ahead of Kuti, uh, which is really quite a surprise given the offseason hype on Kuti. I know I drafted him in several leagues with believing some of the offseason hype and my, uh, not redraft leagues, but some of my startup dynasty drafts. Um, but the fact is that Stills was traded uh, to Houston just before the season started and still seems to have already surpassed Kuti in his impact on the team. I really need to move Stills up in my rankings. I'm going to do that uh, this weekend, and I'm going to move Kuti down quite a bit. This could be actually Kuti's last chance to earn a prominent role, like his last chance to prove something now that Stills is there. If he doesn't, he's pretty, pretty much going to be relegated to being that gadget kind of player, really like he was last week when he scored a touchdown on, of all things, a simple running play on the goal line. Next, we're going to move to um, waiver wire moves. Every week, I like to give you some of my waiver waiver wire moves just so you can think about some players that still might be on the waiver wire in your leagues, talk a little bit about those. Just a chance to talk about some new players that could be added to our teams. Uh, As a reminder, I play in Dynasty Leagues that are 27 to 30-man rosters, and so uh, they're pretty deep leagues. This was an awful week on the waiver wire in those leagues, especially since Ty Johnson, the kind of hot pickup, was actually already on every roster in all of my leagues. So what can I say? I play with very active and sharp owners, so the waiver wire is super slim. Uh, Ty Johnson actually was dropped in one of my leagues a few weeks ago, but I quickly picked him up once I saw, you know, like the fantasy footballers say, uh, drop it like it's hot. You got to look and see those players that were dropped. And I saw that Ty Johnson was dropped and gladly picked him up in one league, so I'm very happy about that move. Now, uh, there really were only three guys that I was interested in on the waiver wire this week, so I'll mention them briefly here. Uh, one was Johnny Smith, and this is really the most important guy that I was interested in. Uh, Delaney Walker's nagging injuries have given Johnny Smith another chance to become a starting tight end in Tennessee. We've seen this before each of the last two years uh, when Walker was injured, right? Uh, this year, however, there's a new quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that's replaced Marcus Mariota last week. And this really gives me more hope for him to be that typical third-year breakout. Uh, He caught all three of his targets from Tannehill last week, and they were deep passes too, which I really like, deep down the field, averaging 21 yards per reception. I like his chances to break out. I picked him up in every league where I was weak at tight end. 
uh, ones where I already had stud tight ends, like I've got Hooper and uh, Ertz, even though I mentioned my concern about him. I've got Kittle. I didn't really go for him in leagues where I was solid at tight end, um, but I did in leagues where I was weaker at tight end. I picked John, Johnny Smith up in a couple leagues. I think I beat people to the punch too because in, um, on this one, because I was really only, I was able to get him for $1 a fab. So I don't think everyone's quite um, acknowledged this possibility right now. So this is your window to grab him. I think after next week, the window will be closed. So grab him. He's the smartest pickup this week, in my opinion, in deep leagues like I play in. Next two guys I'll mention I didn't make any uh, claims on, but I just thought that I would mention here. Actually, one of them I did. Uh, we've got Chris Conley, number two. I didn't make any claims on him this week, but I did want to mention him here. He's been super involved in Jacksonville's offense. Uh, surprisingly, he's actually playing more snaps than, than Chark or Westbrook. I'll bet you most people don't know that. He's playing more snaps than Chark and Westbrook. But that being said, he's still the third uh, targeted guy uh, of that bunch. So Chark and Westbrook are definitely getting... Uh, more targets. Generally speaking, I don't like to have wide receiver threes on a team um, on my rosters overall. Like I like to have ones, obviously, um, twos on a good offense, but wide receiver threes I generally don't try to roster um, on my teams. But you have to admit that he's played well enough to consider uh, picking up. Had a great week, almost 12 points in uh, fantasy last week. Third guy that I'll mention is a little bit sneaky is Mike Davis. I think that he's a sneaky speculative move. I only made in one of my leagues, but um, I actually roster him in one of my other leagues too. Chicago's running game was awful last week. David Montgomery got two carries while Tariq Cohen got three carries. And uh, Nagy has had to face the music in some of his press conferences about the lack of running. And so I think that they're really going to emphasize the running game going forward, especially because Mitch Trubisky is playing so bad. And here's the thing. I just don't like what I've seen overall on David Montgomery this year. I'm not convinced nor was I before draft season, if you'll see where I had him ranked compared to where other people had him ranked. Um, I'm just not convinced that he's going to be the, the great running back in Chicago. You know, He's definitely going to get the bulk of the carries. He's going to be the guy that tried to get the ball. But I think that Coach Nagy has to give Mike Davis some carries to see if he can do more with them than Montgomery can. So if you have a, like a droppable guy on your roster, someone that you're definitely willing to drop, this is kind of a sneaky speculative ad that I, I think wouldn't be um, – wouldn't be uh, too unwise to make. Uh, make it this preemptive pick this week. Um, I did in one of my leagues, and so I would encourage you to consider that as well in your deep, deep leagues. Finally, what we do at the end of these uh, podcasts is we talk about week seven trades, the trades that happen in my leagues. There are three of them that I'll mention here. Uh, here's some of my thoughts on the trades. I'll tell you which side that I favor. In one of my leagues, Mike Gusecki was traded for Devontae Parker. The team that traded Gusecki uh, actually traded Chris Herndon to me the week before. I think that they likely just wanted some youth with upside um, behind their tight end group. They have a lot of middle-tier to upper-tier receivers, uh, so they were willing to part with Devontae Parker. The guy who traded for Parker, <clears throat> he did not need Gusecki since he's actually loaded at tight end. He has Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, and Vince McDonald. So he's, he's set at tight end, definitely didn't need Gusecki. The fact is that Parker's been playing well. Uh, this year, and the coaching staff, this is probably even more important, the coaching staff seems to like him, you know, in a, in a coaching staff in Miami where they're going to make a lot of changes, it seems to be that this is a player that they like, they've been talking well of him, unlike the previous regime, and Adam Gaze, who really seems to downplay Parker often, and so from that standpoint, I definitely like the Parker side of this trade, he's at least shown that he can have a, va- a fantasy impact, whereas Kosecki's has not, he's not really shown anything so far, yeah, they're probably both going to stay with Miami 
um, even though the, the team is kind of doing a roster churn this year while they're trying to tank for Tua. I think Parker has a much better value than Gusecki, so props to the Parker winner. Second trade I'll mention was there was a trade that was Tom Brady and Demarcus Robinson for Marcus Mariota, Washington Redskins, and a 2022nd round pick. Tom Brady and Demarcus Robinson for Marcus Mariota, Washington Redskins, and a 2022nd pick. A lot of random players in that draft in that uh, trade, right? So here's here's the the context for it. This was like a win now move for the five and two team. So there's a five and two team that had Mahomes that they just lost for a few weeks. We know. So I can see why they wanted to strike while the iron's hot. Like they wanted to to get some value in their quarterback position. So they uh, wanted to pick up Tom Brady. That's the, the person they were targeting to, to get Tom Brady on their lineup to help them while they're five and two in second place in this league. Mariota and the Redskins part of this trade were really worthless. I don't even look at them really as being part of this trade. What, what's really a value was, was the second round pick. Uh, that's really where the value lies in this tree, trade. The team that got the 2020 second round pick already has four 2020 first round picks and three 2020, now has three 2020 second round picks. That's crazy. So this, this owner is going to have uh, it's a 10, 10 team league too. So he's got four first round picks and now has three second round picks. And so just from that standpoint, I like that side of the trade. Um, I think that this dra- this uh, owner will dominate the 2020 draft because if Brady or uh, will dominate the 2020 draft with these, uh, what would he have, seven of the top 20 picks next year? Uh, so good for him. All he had to do was release Brady. He's got some other quarterback depth. Um, he's not really a – he's kind of a middle-of-the-pack team that has a chance to, to do something himself but is still thinking toward the future with these picks. Um, that said, the guy that picked up Tom Brady, um, if Brady wins some fantasy games while Mahomes is out and keeps him up in the number one or two rank and make the playoffs, get a bye week, make the playoffs, win a championship, he'd be happy to give up that second-round pick uh, for a championship. So I see his side of it as well. But I favor picking up that 2022nd uh, for Tom Brady. Last trade that went down in my leagues was John Brown for Latavius Murray. I really like the John Brown side here. Uh, I might see it a little bit differently if the Murray owner also had Kamara, so he's kind of trying to secure his handcuff, uh, but he doesn't. This was just a pick straight up for Murray. It's a short-term move, move of course, because Murray, he's one of the best backup running backs um, to hold, as evidenced by his outstanding game last week while Kamara was out. It does look like Kamara's probably going to be out this week as well, so it's a pretty short-term move on Latavius Murray's side. Uh, I still think that John Brown is the better side of this because he's playing as good as he is as well as he ever has. He's playing great this year. He's definitely the clear number one wide receiver in Buffalo, Josh Allen's favorite target, and I think they have a few more years to improve his connection uh, with Josh Allen. Of course, they're just in their first year playing together, uh, but he's the number one. And I will take a number one wide receiver on an NFL team over a number two running back on an NFL team every time. So give me the number one receiver on a team for sure. I like the John Bray Brown side of that trade. Well, that's my week seven review, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for giving a listen. Would love it if you would take the time to go to Apple Podcasts and give a rate and review of this podcast. That would do me a great favor, help other people find us. I appreciate it. Of course, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at Dynasty Freaks. That's Freaks with two E's, uh, DynastyFreaks.com or DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so would love to give you some advice and hear about what's happening in your league. So contact me anytime. I appreciate it. And you know what to do until next week. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. 
Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. 